Amen. Thank you very much, worship team. So it's officially uh, the week of Christmas. This has been a long-awaited week, I know, for myself, and I'm sure for many of you guys as well, um, as this has just been a crazy, bizarre year um, with some ups, but, but a lot of downs, a lot of trials, a lot of people going through uh, different tribulations uh, during this year. So I know this has been a week that I've been looking forward to a long time. I remember uh, back just in the middle of the fall season, I was ready to play some Christmas music, watch some Christmas movies, because it was kind of a bummer of a year, and I was ready to uh, enjoy the holly jolly mood of the Christmas time and and the celebrations that we have uh, with one another. So as I mentioned earlier in the announcements this past week, Jamie, Ezra, and I, uh, we were able to celebrate uh, Christmas in South Carolina with Jamie's family, and we all had fun there. Um, Ezra, he's starting to play with his cousins more. He's got two twin cousins uh, who came to visit uh, about two months ago now. Um, Some of you guys mistook the older boy cousin for Ezra, saw him running around. Uh, No, that's not our son. Our son is still a slacker. Uh, Shame on him. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but next week we're headed up uh, to Michigan to celebrate uh, with my side of the family. Um, and I hope that you all are able uh, to celebrate Christmas one way or another. I know for a lot of us, this Christmas season, Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, um, just the week of Christmas is probably going to look dramatically different uh, than what you are used to. Um, and so I just hope in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the trials and the tribulations, that you, you find a way, one way or another, to celebrate Christmas. Um, as Christmas, it is a very, very important time uh, for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus. As Christmas, it, it's, it's not all about the music or the movies or the yummy Christmas food or the presents that we give to one another. It's not even about time with our friends or time with our family. That's not what Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And again, when we're we're having fun celebrating Christmas uh, with with whomever that may be, whether it's a small gathering, whether it's a large uh, family gathering, we have to remember in the midst of all uh, the celebration and and the holly jolly Christmas mood that you're in, that the reason why we're celebrating this is because about 2,000 years ago, our Messiah, the Christ, he was born in a manger. And, and that's why we celebrate. And it's so easy to forget that as we're having so much fun, um, time, a fun time celebrating with those close to us. And so as we've been taking a look at this Christmas story, we've been going through the different characters of Christmas, and we've been taking a look at uh, the Christmas story through the different perspectives of some of the key figures and the key characters. To start it off, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we took a look at Mary, Mary, the, the mother of Jesus. And when we looked at the Christmas story through the perspective of Mary, we learned that when we obey God's will, nothing is impossible. Because Mary, she was a virgin, but she followed God's will. And as a virgin, she was able to conceive and give birth to the Son of God. Because with God, nothing is impossible. And that's a very valuable lesson we can learn when we look at the Christmas story through the perspective of Mary. Two weeks ago, we talked about Joseph. You know, Joseph, he had to realign his life to fit in with God's will. 
You see, Joseph, uh, while, while he is betrothed to uh, the love of his life, uh, Mary, uh, he thought that Mary failed the, the, the test of fidelity as all of a sudden she was pregnant. And, and Joseph, he was a respectable man. He said, all right, I'm going to divorce her in a quiet and respectable manner because she, uh, what he thought, he, she thought that he, she committed adultery against him. My words are difficult this morning. Uh, and, and so he was set on divorcing her, but instead he had to realign his life in order to fit with God's will. And oftentimes we need to realign the path that we're going. We need to realign the life, our lives, in order to fit in with God's will. And the last week, we talked about the shepherds and the wise men. You see, the shepherds, they received this joyful news, as Jen uh, just read during the Advent candle, and they received this joyful news that the Messiah had been born, and they went and they, they shared that good news with those around them. And we, we too, we need to share the good news that we have with uh, the people around us, our family, friends, and, and so forth. And then the wise men, they, they took the long journey to go visit the king of the Jews. They left friends, they left family, they left their homes, they left everything that they had over in the east, wherever that was. They left all that they had to find and worship the king. And we too, we need to have that same desire and that same urgency to worship the king as well. And so we've learned a lot of valuable lesson, lessons looking at this Christmas story through these different perspectives. And this morning, we're going to take a look at the Christmas story through the perspective of a man named Simeon, uh, a man who you, you are not probably too familiar with in comparison with Mary or Joseph or the shepherds and the wise men. So we can read about Simeon in the book of Luke. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Luke, Luke chapter 2. Chapter 2, and we're going to be reading uh, verses 21 through 35 this morning. And so what we're about to read uh, this morning takes place shortly after the shepherds came to visit Jesus and the manger, but it was likely before the wise men came to visit Jesus. Uh, this, this takes place in Jerusalem. And if you remember back when we talked about the wise men last week, uh, shortly after the wise men came, an angel appeared to Joseph and, and told Joseph, hey, take your family away from Jerusalem and go to Egypt because King Herod, basically he's gone mad and he's trying to kill their baby boy. And so this likely happened before the wise men came to visit, before the angel told them to get away from Jerusalem. And so in Luke chapter 2, verse 21, it reads, And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So here in, the, in, in verses 21 through 24, we, we read, we learn that Jesus, he was born in the law of Moses. In the law of Moses that was written thousands of years before, about 1,500 years before, he was born in that same law. In Leviticus chapter 12, uh, verses 2 and 3, it states that a woman is unclean for seven days. And at the end of those seven days, on the eighth day, the baby boy was to be circumcised. It was on the exact day that the protein 
Nicotine prothrombin uh, was at its highest, uh, something that helped clot the blood so the babies wouldn't bleed as much. I just find that incredible. It wasn't just some random rule that the Israelites had. It was clearly an omniscient being behind this rule that said, hey, on the eighth day exactly, you are to circumcise the baby boys because on that exact day, the prothrombin was at its highest to help clot the blood. I, I just find that incredible and the insight that the Israelites had thousands and thousands of years before us. And they had that insight because of the God that they served. And so on the eighth day, that's exactly what happened. Jesus, he was circumcised on the eighth day after the seven days of Mary being unclean. Um, and so then uh, the time came for their purification. The time came for both Mary and Jesus to be purified according to the law of Moses. And it's written in Leviticus chapter 12 as well uh, that for a baby boy, the birth of a son, a lamb shall be offered up as an offering. There's also kind of known as a poor man's offering, and, and, which, and if the family couldn't afford to offer up a lamb, they could offer up two birds instead. Here it refers uh, to the pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so this is, is pretty uh, beautiful insight because Jesus, he was not being born into a home that was some wealthy royal family. Jesus, he was being born into an ordinary household. As, as he was born in a manger, that gives us a pretty uh, good idea of that as well. But Mary and Joseph, they were obedient uh, Jews. They followed the law of Moses. They followed everything that should have taken place uh, in, in the days preceding the birth of Moses. And so they did this offering at the temple of the Lord in the city of Jerusalem. That's where the Jews, that's where they did the bulk of their offerings was in the temple of Jerusalem. And then we read in verse 25, now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so here as Mary and Joseph and, and the baby Jesus, as they're in the temple of Jerusalem, uh, going through these different uh, laws of purification, there's another man named Simeon that we're introduced to. And we don't really know a whole lot about this man, but what we do know is that he is a righteous man. Evidently, this is a man who is following after God and following the, the laws and the rules that God put in place for his people. And so Simeon, he was, he was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He, basically, he was waiting for Israel to be redeemed, just like many of the other Jews of that time. But Simeon, a very unique fact about Simeon, in verse 26, it said, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. What an awesome promise that, that would be able to receive that you would not see death before seeing the Lord's Christ. The same Christ, the same Messiah that the Jews have been waiting thousands of years for. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3. That same Messiah that these Jews have been looking forward to. Here Simeon, a righteous man, he's promised through the Holy Spirit that he will not die before he sees the Christ. What, a, what an awesome promise that would have been. 
It would have been a very unusual promise. And so we continue in verse 27 of of Luke chapter 2, and it says, And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And so Simeon, after he receives uh, this affirmation, confirmation from the Holy Spirit that he would see the Lord's Christ before he would die, he's led by the Holy Spirit to go in the temple at the same time that Mary and Joseph are there with the baby Jesus uh, in order to fulfill the laws of purification. And as Simeon is there, it's revealed to him that this baby boy is the Messiah. He is the Lord's Christ that they have been waiting thousands of years for. And he sees the the baby boy Jesus. He sees the baby Messiah, and he holds him in his arms. And as he's holding him in his arms, he blesses God and praises God. What What a beautiful sight here. John Trapp quoted a a poet's expression of Simeon's heart. For those of you guys who like poetry, I know Anita over here loves poetry. Uh, Someone uh, came up with a poem of what the, the expressions of Simeon's heart at this time. It reads, I fear no sin, I dread no death. I have lived long enough, I have my life. I have longed enough, I have my love. I have seen long enough, I have my light. I have served enough, I have my saint. I have sorrowed enough, I have my joy. Sweet babe, let this psalm serve as the lullaby to thee and for a funeral for me. Oh, sleep in my arms and let let me sleep in thy peace. What a beautiful, beautiful moment this would have been uh, for Simeon as it was revealed to him some time before that he would see the Christ, he would see the Messiah. And finally, this moment has appeared. This moment where he's able to hold the baby Jesus, the baby Messiah, the Christ whom God has been planning for at the beginning of time. And he's able to hold this precious baby boy in the temple in Jerusalem. And Simeon informs his parents that many would fall because of this man and many would rise up because of this man. There's a lot of truth in that. As in the end, those who are obedient to God and his son Jesus, they will rise. They they will have eternal life and partake in God's coming kingdom. But those who do not have a living and active faith in God and his son Jesus Christ, ultimately they will fall. And they will pay for the consequences of their sin by death. And so by many people through Jesus, many will fall, but also many will rise. And I hope that all of us here this morning, we will be those who rise. And so this would have been a a beautiful experience for Simeon as he's able to encounter the Messiah, the Lord's Christ, the Son of God. What a beautiful fulfillment of that promise would have been for Simeon. 
I mean, just put yourself in his shoes if you were given the promise that before you died, you would be able to see the Christ. That would be an awesome promise to have. And, and, and that's why I love uh, the, the story of Simeon uh, as we're going through this Christmas story just uh, a, a little more than a week after Jesus was born. This uh, promise was fulfilled as Simeon. He was able to lay eyes on the Lord and what a beautiful promise was made to him. And I can't imagine the excitement and, and the joy that would be radiating in my heart if I was there for this promise to be fulfilled. But I have good news for you guys this morning as well. We, we have a very, very similar promise to Simeon. Because we have a promise that one day we will see Jesus. We will see the Messiah just like Simeon was promised that he would see the Messiah. His promise was fulfilled. And let me tell you, our promise will be fulfilled one day. We don't know when that day is coming. Jesus doesn't know when that day is coming. The only person who knows when that day is coming is God, our heavenly father. But one day we are, I can assure you, that we will lay eyes on Jesus. John, the writer of Revelation, uh, talks about this in Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 4, I'll I'll read, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is, is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. And so here in Revelation, if you're not too familiar with the book of Revelation, the, the, the writer John, to kind of start off the book, he writes a letter to seven churches in Asia, which is modern-day Turkey for us if you know where Turkey is. And so John, as, as he's writing these seven letters to these seven different churches, he greets them in writing by, expending, by extending grace and peace from God and his son Jesus Christ. And John continues to talk and and describe about Jesus in in verse 5 through 7. And it reads, And to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him in all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. And so John, as he's uh, uh, greeting these churches, he's uh, again extending grace and peace from God and his son Jesus. And he continues to describe Jesus. He describes Jesus in verses 5 through 7 as a man who is a faithful witness. Jesus, he certainly was a faithful witness to God. He witnessed to those around him about God, his heavenly father. John describes him as the firstborn of the dead. As Jesus, he was resurrected on the third day from the grave. And so he is the firstborn of the dead. We're going to follow in his footsteps one day, but Jesus, he was the firstborn. He's described as being a ruler of kings, the wise men. They came from the east all the way over to Jerusalem to find the king of the Jews. And they asked none other than Herod, who was the king of that region, of the Judean region. But Jesus is described as the ruler of kings. He's the king of kings, the king of Jews. Jesus is described as being uh, a man who freed us from our sins by none other than his own precious blood. 
He's described as being a man who made us a kingdom and priest to God. Because Jesus, he has reconciled us to God and we can be priests and we can be a kingdom to God. And Jesus is described as being a man who will come back to earth. For John says, behold, he is coming and every eye will see him. Every single person throughout the history of mankind, they will lay eyes on the Messiah. That's a promise extended to you. That's a promise extended to me. That's a promise extended to Adam and Eve and everyone in between. Everyone is given that promise to see the Messiah himself. A very, very similar promise to Simeon. The main difference is is we don't know if it will be before or after our death. But we do have a promise. We are assured that we will see the Messiah. What a wonderful promise that we are given. So my question for you all, as we are given this confirmation, as we are given this promise that we will lay eyes on the Messiah, my question for you is, are you ready? Are you ready to see Jesus? Because ready or not, he is coming. And ready or not, you will lay your eyes on Jesus, the Messiah, the King, the ruler of kings, the man who paid the debt of our sins, our Savior, our Christ, the Lord's anointed. You will lay eyes on him. Will you be ready to lay eyes on him? And that's a very, very valuable lesson that we can learn from the man Simeon. Again, we, we don't know a whole lot about Simeon. I love to know more about him and how this was revealed to him uh, as to that he would see the Messiah before his death. I'd love to know more about him. But what we do know is that Simeon, he was ready. He was ready to see the Messiah. He, as, as he was righteous and he was devout and he followed the path, he followed the will that God had for him in his life. And he was ready, he was ready to follow God's guidance, the, the, the guidance and the direction of the Holy Spirit. And so he went to the temple that one day and he did indeed see the Christ because he was ready. And what a valuable lesson for us. Because ready or not, we will see Jesus. And if we're ready, we will rise. We will rise, just as Simeon says. Because of this man, Jesus, many will rise. And so if you are ready when Jesus comes back to this earth, then you will rise and you'll partake in God's coming kingdom. The other side of the story, the the, the scary side of the story, is if we are not ready, then we will fall and we'll pay the consequences of our sin, and that's death. And we will not partake in God's coming kingdom where everything wrong with this world will be made right. And so this morning, if you're someone who has not handed your life over to God, if you're someone who has not handed your life over to God's precious son, Jesus Christ, I'd encourage you this Christmas season to make that commitment. Make that commitment to submit to Jesus Christ and his heavenly father, Yahweh. Let this Christmas in the year 2020 be your best Christmas ever. 
Because I'm telling you, if you haven't made that commitment yet, it will be your best Christmas ever if you make that commitment this year. Or for maybe some of us, we, we, we have made that commitment in, the, in that past, and we have submitted to, to God and his son, Jesus Christ. But maybe some of us, we're, we're, we're maybe veering to the left, we're veering to the right. And maybe Jesus, he might catch us off guard. Maybe on a, on, on a bad day, maybe a bad week, a bad year, he might catch us off guard, and we won't be ready for his return. And if this describes you, I'd encourage you to let this Christmas season, as we take a look at the Christmas story through the perspective of Simeon, let it be a reminder that we must be ready for the return of Jesus. Just like Simeon was, the righteous and devout man. Because again, if we are ready, the joy, the hope, the peace that we will experience is not even comparable to anything else that we can experience in this temporary life. And so I encourage you, again, as we kind of conclude the series on the characters of Christmas this Sunday, I encourage you, as you're having fun with your friends, as you're having fun with your family, um, or if you're celebrating um, with, with, uh, with, with just those close around you, I'd encourage you to focus on the Christmas story, and to remember from the example of Simeon to always be ready for the return of Jesus because ready or not, he is coming. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for uh, the assurance, the promise that's given to each and every one of us that we all will lay eyes on our Messiah, on your anointed Father, I just pray that everyone here this morning, I pray that we will be ready for that day. I pray that we will be ready to rise up when the occasion occurs, that we will meet your son in the air, and we will receive eternal life and partake in your coming kingdom. Father, I pray that this hope drives us day in and day out, and that we can be ready on a daily basis for the return of your son. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for this Christmas season and all the meaning and the lessons that we can draw from this valuable birth of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.